Right. Well, good morning, family. You guys are doing all right? Yeah? Three of you. Okay. Good. Dan's doing good. All right. Sounds good. Well, we are celebrating the third week of Advent this Sunday. And uh, like we've been talking about, the, 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 this is the time where the church holds out an alternative to the consumerism that is all around us at Christmas time. We say, hey, there's another way. There's a different way. And the way we do this is part of the way we celebrate Advent is by intentionally focusing on the birth of Christ and what his birth means for our joy. That's what we're doing today, in fact. We're in Luke chapter 2 today, again, Luke chapter 2. But you know what I thought? I thought today would be a great day to, to call a friend of mine in uh, to have him read the scripture, just to get a different voice. You know, uh, my voice gets kind of dull and boring sometimes. And he, So he's going to read the scripture for us this morning. I had to call in some favors, and it was a little bit of short notice, but I got him to come. And so uh, if you guys want to go ahead and, and start that up, my friend Linus is going to read uh, the, God's word today, okay? <laughs> So go ahead and play that clip. Okay. Wake him up. <laughs> Linus. Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Thank you. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, you have come to tell us and give us good news of great joy. And we live in a world that just loves bad news, who love sharing bad news and spreading bad news around. But you've come to give us truly good news of great joy. You've come to give us the best gift we could ever receive. And we have reason to sing and shout and praise your name because of what you've done for us. God, I just pray that uh, in the passage that we're going to look at this morning, that you would open our eyes and help us see Jesus in it and the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would do what you do every single Sunday, that you would speak to our hearts and you would change our lives that we might be more like you and enjoy you more and more. So Lord, would you do that today? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas. Uh, you guys still got shopping to do, anyone? No? No one's got shopping? 
couple of you got shopping to do. We got most of our shopping uh, done so far, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, one of the joys I've noticed of being a parent is getting your kids gifts, particularly at Christmas. That's just that's a joy we have in our life usually, right? Giving them a gift. We love seeing our children happy. We love seeing them rejoice in life. And you know what? Children don't hide their emotions very well, do they? Have you noticed that? I mean, especially the really little ones. They do. I mean, maybe they don't want to. I don't know. There's no filter. I mean, within a matter of a few seconds of uh, unwrapping that gift and getting that paper off, you're going to know. They're going to give you instant feedback is what I call it. Instant feedback, whether you gave them or they think, hey, this is a really great gift, or you gave me a really lame gift, <laughs> right? You're going to know. You're going to see it on their face. You're like, oh, this is the doll I always wanted. Thank you. are the best dad ever. Or tube socks. I hate tube socks. You know, they're going to let you know whether you gave them the right gift or not. You see, there's one thing that I know that's true about giving gifts, particularly gifts at Christmas. No matter how much trouble that you went through to pick out and to find and to purchase that perfect toy for your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew or whoever it was, there's one thing that's true. The day after Christmas is going to start losing its excitement. That's one thing that's true. It may not even be the day after. It may start dwindling later in the day. Right? The next day, that child's going to be playing with the box that the gift gave in, came in. Right? And the gift is going to be in the corner somewhere. I don't know why that is, but the, it's just, I made the box just looks a little bit more spectacular or something. That's what's going to happen. In fact, after celebrating many birthday parties and Christmases and retirements and graduations and all these other milestones that I've celebrated with people, there's something else I've discovered that's true about giving gifts. The greater the gift, the deeper the joy. The greater the gift, the deeper the joy. We all want joy for Christmas. That's what we really want. We expect that. Whether it's joy that comes from an Xbox or joy that comes from having all your family under the same roof without them fighting. Not just getting to somebody's neighborhood. I hope so. We all want joy, right? We all want joy. I go so far to say that we are expecting our gifts to give us joy at Christmas. And the greater the gift, the deeper the joy we expect to experience. But the truth is that all those gifts, no matter what they are, they lose their magic. They lose that specialness. And it, and it doesn't take very long. It doesn't take much time at all. The joy is intense, but eventually the enthusiasm wanes. Family members, they start getting selfish after a couple of days. Right? The Xbox gets boring after that second all-nighter blowout. The Black Friday deal that you picked up on Amazon breaks. It all goes away. So here's what we need to remember at Christmas Crossway. God has given us access to the deepest joy by giving us the greatest gift. Okay? That's what I want you to remember as Christmas starts creeping closer to your front door and to your house. God has given us access to the deepest joy because he has given to us the greatest gift. 
You see, when we look in this passage of, at Luke, in Luke chapter 2, Luke tells us why the birth of Christ is the greatest gift and how we are to enjoy this gift. And so what makes this gift so great is a couple of things. The gift of Christ meets our greatest need. The gift of Christ meets our greatest need. Look at verses 10 and 11 here. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto here's the news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ Christ. The Lord. So here's how the story goes. The shepherds are out there. They're minding their own business in this field. We know the story. They're minding their own business just like they do night after night, day after day. They go, they punch in. They go to their job, right? And they're up. They're, they're, they're exchanging watches of the night to protect their flock. And in the quiet darkness, it, it is invaded all of a sudden by this eye-squintingly bright light. An angel of the Lord stands before them and he delivers this message to them. Hey, good news. You're going to get the best gift you've ever had. I'm paraphrasing. Good news. You're going to get the best gift ever. Now, if someone told you that they had a really big gift for you, best gift ever, what would you expect to get? What would you expect to receive if someone told you that? It could be anything, right? But, but it would depend kind of on what your needs were at that moment, right? Wouldn't it? It would depend on what you needed. It would kind of dictate whether that was the best gift you could ever receive. Maybe the best gift for you would be that $3.4 million lotto ticket. Or how about a doctor calling you that your spouse is cancer-free? How about that? Or maybe it would be someone paying off the mortgage on your house. That's a good one, isn't it? Or free and full tuition to the college of your choice. Depending on what your situation was, those could all be in the category of best gift ever, right? And regardless, they would all be good gifts. They'd all be examples of good gifts. So the angels come to the shepherds. They tell them that God has given them the best gift they could ever receive. And it wasn't a favorable market. Like they didn't say, hey, good news of great joy. Price of mutton getting ready to go up. Price of wool, getting ready to go up next year. You're going to be sitting pretty, guys. That wasn't the good news for them. It wasn't, hey, you guys, you're going to get a home to live in. None of this, like, living out into the element stuff anymore for you. Move that bus. Here's your house. That wasn't the good news. It wasn't, you know what, you get a better job with a pay increase and a bonus. That wasn't the good news. The news was that they have been given a Savior today. They've been given a savior, someone who could bring them into a relationship with the God of the universe. That was the good news of great joy. So in giving this gift, God is actually revealing to the shepherds and to us what our greatest need is. Have you thought about it that way? If you think about it, even for us, a really good gift is almost always given by someone who knows our our needs. Think about it. What do we say when someone gives us a really great gift? Say, oh, that's just what I needed. That's just what I was looking for. Thank you. What a great gift. 
And in that way, all good gifts given reveal something about the receiver's needs. That's what makes it a good gift. God gave us the best gift ever. He chose to give us a Savior. Not an economist. Not a lawyer. Not a politician. Not a celebrity. Not an entertainer. Not a teacher of mere helpful information. Not a prophet of truth. God gave to us a Savior. Now, if that's the best gift God could ever give us, what does that tell us about our greatest need? What does that tell us? If that's the best gift ever given, what does that tell us about our greatest need? It tells us that our greatest need is is that we need to be saved from our sins. We need salvation, and we need to be brought back into a relationship with our Creator, the one who made us, that we are estranged from. We need to be brought back into relation with Him. That's our greatest need. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, but God being rich. We have a rich God. And what's He rich in? Mercy. (laughs) He's rich in mercy. He can't spend all the mercy that He has. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were sick. Is that what it says? No. Even when we were having a bad time and needed a boost. What what does it say? Even when we were, what's the word? Crossway? Dead. That's the word. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In our sin, we were dead. Not sick, dead. We were dead to God's goodness. We were dead to God's holiness. We were dead to God's Love. We saw it, we heard it, and went, eh. Eh. What else you got? No response. There was no responding to that. We were separated from God and from true life. We were dead with no way to bring ourselves back to life. No one does CPR on themselves. Someone else has to come in the room and see that lifeless body and put their hands on their heart and make their heart beat to bring them back to life. And that's what God has done for you. And it's what he's done for me. But God in his rich mercy reached down to us through Jesus Christ and made us alive to him. He saved us from death. He saved us from death. Here's something that I don't want you to miss today. What good are all the gifts that God has given you without God? What good are they? It's glorified thumb twiddling is all it is to be 
and even enjoying all that stuff without God. What good is physical strength, a loving marriage, grand accomplishments in our career, a solid retirement fund, an exciting, adventurous life that someone would want to make a movie about it so exciting? What good are all those gifts without deeply knowing the one who gave you those gifts? What good is the promised land without the presence of God? You see, all those things go away in the end. All those things break and deteriorate in the end. All of them. All of them. All of them. All of them. And And in the end, you're either going to be left with nothing or with God. Part of the reason we don't experience joy, but rather we feel kind of disappointment, especially at Christmas time, is because we want God's gifts more than we want God. But there is no gift that we could receive that's greater than God. God's all we have in the end. God's the only one that lasts. God's the only one that's going to give you and me joy. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded about this. Like every seven days. Like every Sunday. I need to be reminded about this. And more frequently than that. God is the greatest gift. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a British medical doctor. And he was on the cusp of having a very... uh, What's the word? Wonderful career as a doctor. Eminent physician, okay? He was going to be about to be really well known for all his uh, stuff he's accomplished in medicine. And he left his profession. And he left it to be, of all things, a preacher. But he ended up becoming a very influential preacher and pastor. He was the pastor of Westminster Chapel in London for over almost 30 years, and thousands of people would show up to hear him preach. Thousands of other people would show up to be a part of his Bible studies so they could learn about God and God's Word, the way that he taught it. This man single-handedly wrote 13 volumes of commentary just on the book of Romans. Prolific writer. Romans wasn't boring to him after 13 chapters of commentating on it. He was lightning smart, he was extremely successful, and people loved him. They loved the doctor, is what they called him. Still called him doctor. So a few weeks before he died, someone asked him how, after decades and decades of fruitful ministry and extraordinary activity and great accomplishments in his life, how was he coping now that he was suffering from serious weakness in his body? They took most of his energy simply to move from his bed over to his armchair and back to his bed. Every day. Every day that was his life. That's what this influential and well-accomplished man had been reduced to in the final weeks on earth. How are you coping with that, someone asked. 
And the, go- the doctor answered with the question, that question with the words of Luke 10.20. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Lloyd-Jones added, quote, I am perfectly content. After so much had been taken from the doctor, after decades of, of faithful service to the Lord, mind you, faithful service to the Lord, how could he be content just mere weeks before he passed away? Here's what he was saying in that. He had tied his joy to the fact that he was known and loved by God. How can we, how can we have a deep joy like that when we experience such massive disappointments, especially during this time of year? How, how is that possible for us? What's the way forward for you and me? Here it is. Tie your joy to your salvation. Do it today. Tie your joy to the fact that you are known and loved by God, and nothing will take that away, not even death. No one can steal that. No one can break that. Rust can't destroy it. That's the greatest gift we could ever get. You see what I'm saying? Are you tracking with me, guys? Through the gift of Christ, God has met our greatest needs, and it can never be taken from us. He has forgiven us of all our sins. He's made us alive when we were dead. He's brought us into the family of God when we were alienated from Him. Oh, by the way, and we alienated ourselves from Him. We did this. And this gift will last forever. This is a great gift. You know what else makes this the greatest gift ever? Is that it's for the nobodies. The gift of Christ is for the nobodies. It's right here in verses 8 and 9. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. That, that word in the Greek actually means that it touched down on earth. You know, you know, in the movies, it's like always up in the sky. He came near. He came down to earth. Heaven is coming down to earth. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I would guess so. <laughs> there is something else that makes this gift of Christ extraordinarily good. Look at who the recipients of this supremely good gift are. Shepherds. The shepherds. These are regular, ordinary, blue-collar men working the night shift, all right? They're sitting in darkness, just like they do night after night, and all of a sudden, a great light shines on them, right? Sounds an awful lot like what Isaiah would happen when the Savior came. Remember that? He said the people walking in darkness have seen a great light in the land of deep darkness has a light shone. That's exactly what's happening here. The good news of great joy, the greatest gift that God would ever give humanity, comes first to shepherds. No kid likes to be the shepherd in in the Christmas play, right? Right? I'm right. And why? 
<laughs> because they just kind of stand there and they like hold a staff. That's all they do. What do they want to be? Lead role. <laughs> I'm the shepherd again. That should clue us into something. It comes to shepherds, not influential leaders like kings or queens or princes. No. It doesn't come to powerful people like military leaders and commanders of great armies. It doesn't come to people that have sway in society, the culture makers of society. Not even to people who are lightning smart. It came to ordinary, lowly, humble shepherds. They weren't the somebodies. They were the nobodies. And that's who this came to first. These shepherds don't even have names. Did you notice that? What we know from Luke, from when we were walking through Luke in our last series, Luke's not averse to dropping names. He names people. He wants you to know this historically happened. But look at this. They don't even have names. They're just some shepherds in a field. Where? I don't know. It's just a field. They practically blend into the background of the night. We wouldn't even know about them if the light didn't shine on them. You understand what I'm saying? They're, they're the extras in the play. They're the extras in the movie. They're not the lead role. There's nothing wonderful and there's nothing remarkable about these people. And the angel of the Lord appears to them. Good news is given to them. God extends the greatest gift he could ever give. Humanity to them, the birth of Christ. The shepherds, I, I don't know, I, I think the shepherds have got to be asking themselves, like, did the angels get the right address? You know, like, are we, like, you know us, right? Are you talk, you're talking to us? They have to be wondering that, right? They have to be looking at the angel of the Lord. They're, they're experiencing the manifested presence of God's glory on earth. And they're hearing this great news, and they've got to be going, why me? Why us? And I think the angel must have anticipated that because he explicitly says, For unto you is born this day. Unto you is born this day. In other words, Christ is for you. Christ is for you. There wasn't a thing these shepherds did to deserve this. And there wasn't a thing that was spectacular and dazzling or remarkable that would make like, all of heaven stop and go, Hey, tell those guys. They need to hear this first. They weren't looking for God. They weren't serving Him in the temple. They weren't even near a temple, the temple, right? They're out in the field in the dark, yet he chose, to, he chose to make His grace known to them. And He says, this good news is for you. Yes, you. It's for you. God's what makes the birth of Christ such great news for us, great news of, of, of great joy is this small fact that Luke kind of smuggles in on the front end of this story. We're shepherds. We're just shepherds. You know, we live in a society that wants us to believe that we're kings and queens in our own right. It tells us to raise our daughters up to your little princess. Your little princess. Well, what do princes want to be when they grow up? Queen. We're special, just that nobody's noticed us yet. <laughs> you just I don't know how special I am. That's okay. That's what society teaches us. That's what it trains us to think. We're unique. We're integral to society. We're integral to this organization, right? We're integral. We're somebody. 
It's just that we haven't been given a chance to live up to self-actualize, to reach our full potential yet. So here's what happens. When we hear about the good news of Jesus Christ, good news of great joy, when we hear about the birth of Jesus, you know what our heart says? Our heart says, hmm, why not? Well, why not? Why not do I not get the best gift ever? Right? Sounds like a special gift for a special person. Right? We do. I do. It gets boring to me because I think I'm somebody. Listen, the birth of Christ only becomes a source, a well of deep joy for you and for me when we understand and accept who we really are. We are shepherds. And even that is good news. Because then this actually gives us joy. We aren't the lead roles, we're the extras. And the angel says that that means it's for all people. If you're the shepherd, that means it's for you. If you're the shepherd, this is for you. The gift of Christ is not revealed to, uh, revealed to the few or to the elite somebodies. The gift of Christ is for the multitude of nobodies. His salvation is for ordinary people like you and me. We weren't looking for God. We didn't do anything to deserve his peace. He should say fear. He shouldn't say fear not, right? But he said fear not. He said peace I bring to you. If anything, we were living in spiritual darkness. We were working our job Monday through Friday, doing our 10-hour shifts, and living for our family and living for the weekend. That's what we were doing when God found us. He brought salvation to us. And he said, peace, do not be afraid. I've got good news of great joy. You see, the world only showers gifts upon us if we can give evidence that we're worthy. You want that award? Earn it. Here's your award. You want that prize? Best dad ever? Better earn it. Oh, now you deserve it. See, the, that's how the world operates, Crossway. It's everywhere. The gospel alone says that though we are not worthy, God has showered us with gifts. The gift of his love. And that's why Christ alone fills us with joy like nothing else can. So so that's why this is the greatest gift we'd ever receive. But what do we do with that now? How do we enjoy this gift? Like, how do we unwrap the box is what I'm getting at. Here's how. The greatest gift has to be shared in order to be enjoyed. Did you catch that? It has to be shared in order to be enjoyed. Look at verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and had seen as it had been told to them. Now, the story goes, the angel of the Lord proclaims this good news of great joy for all people, and then... With the angel of the Lord there, a whole host, it says heavenly host of angels show up. This is a select entourage of all the angels in heaven. And they sing about this great thing that God has done. All right? This entourage of angels that stand in the presence of Almighty God day and night leave his presence for a few moments to tell and sing to the shepherds of of this great gift that they've gotten, right? The joy of the gospel is not complete until the angels share that with somebody else. 
They, they have to talk about it. They've got to share this with someone else. So after the angels leave, the shepherds act in faith. They set off for Bethlehem, and they share what had happened to them with all the people that are in the manger scene. So they shared all the stuff that had happened to them and what the significance of that. Salvation has come. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinner reconciled. That's what they're sharing with them. And their response to receiving the greatest gift of God, what was the response? They act like the angels. They act like the angels. They praise and glorify God. I think maybe some of those men might actually sing a song. They were overwhelmed. First with fear, then with joy. First with fear, then with joy. But they were overwhelmed. Glory means to magnify the greatness of a superior being. Praise is a subset of worship. It means, to praise something means that we do it with our mouth. It's something that's verbal, not just mental. We open our mouth and we speak or sing praise. That's what praise is. How good something is, how wonderful something is, that is praise. The shepherds share their joy with those that are at the manger and with those that are in the town as they went on back. They're praising, on the way back, praising. They're glorifying God on their way to the flocks with their mouths. Just like the entourage of angels, they can't keep silent about the gospel. They can't keep quiet about what God has done for them and all of humanity. They're going back to their flocks. They're saying, hey, Savior is born Rejoice with us. Hey, God is good. Rejoice with us. I see you're not rejoicing. Rejoice with us. God answers prayer. Rejoice with us. We've got the greatest gift. Rejoice with us. That's what they're saying and singing and speaking all the way back up the hill, out to the field of their flocks. The greatest gift has to be shared in order to be enjoyed. It has to be shared. In other words, rejoicing is how we enjoy God's joy. Does that make sense? You'll get that on the way home, okay? Rejoicing is how we enjoy God's joy. That's the pathway to enjoying it. Rejoicing means expressing externally what you believe internally. It means getting a little rowdy. It means turning up the volume a little bit. That's rejoicing. No one sees the birth of their child and goes, hmm, hmm, well, ain't that something? Hmm, been waiting a while for that. Hmm, that's pretty good. In fact, that's great. Nobody, you praise, you glorify, right? Look, see, you're not as happy as me. Be happy with me. See, it's not joy until I share it. Let's share this. Now I'm full of joy. I I mean, I had a little bit, but now we're full. We've completed the experience. Are you getting this, guys? We're completing the experience. Rejoicing means singing songs about Christ. It means praying prayers to Him. It means telling your family about Him. It means taking what's valuable and sharing it. It means like, hey, here's my paycheck. God, I want to give you some of what's very, very, very valuable to me. I want to share that with you and with your people. Because you know what? You took what was most valuable to you, your greatest gift, and you shared it with me. So here... Take it. I Take it. I'm glad for you to have that. 
I want you to have part of my paycheck. It's very valuable to me. But you gave me what was, what was most valuable to you. And you didn't think twice about it. It wasn't a hesitation. You didn't deliberate about it. Hey, you know what it means? It means all the time that you've given me on earth, all the time that I have from Sunday to Saturday, what do you want of my time? I just give you some of my time. See, time is a very, very valuable gift for me. But you gave me what was most valuable to you. So what do you want of my time? You block it off. You block off the time. I'm, I'm rejoicing. This is how I want to rejoice with you. Would you come rejoice with me? All the skills you've given me, all the talents that you've given me, I want to just share that with people. I want to share my ability to do electric, electrical work with someone. I want to share my ability you give me to do mechanic work with someone or practice medicine. I just want to share with people. I want to share with God's people because that's how I want to enjoy that. I want to really enjoy you, God. Because in order to fully enjoy the greatest gift you've ever received, you've got to share it with someone. Rejoicing is how we enjoy God's joy. If you don't understand how great the birth of Christ is, ask God to show you. Seeing is believing, and it matters. I'll be honest with you guys. I had to ask him to show me that this week. These stories, these passages can get so rote for me. I said, God is rote. I'm sorry, I don't know how to change that. Would you change it? Would you make it come alive? Would you make this stuff get off the page and start walking around in my heart? I think he did. (laughs) He will, family. He will. If this doesn't bring you joy, you need to find out why. But more importantly, you need to ask God to have it bring joy to your life and then share that with someone Share it. You know what sharing is, right? It's not clicking a link. If you do know how great the birth of Jesus Christ is, share it with someone. Tell a family member. Tell a friend. Remind your spouse about it. But she knows. Yeah, but she hadn't heard. She hadn't heard lately. He hadn't heard lately. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's not that you need to know, it's that you need to hear it. You understand what I'm saying? Share it. Send someone a text today. Sing a song to God in the car on the way home. Rejoice. Rejoice. Anyway, I love you guys. I want to pray for you, okay? God, I, uh, I just want to tell you that I'm thankful. I'm thankful that uh, every week I get to preach your word. It is not a right. It is a privilege uh, for me. It is a joy. It is work on my soul every week, but it is a joy to me, and I thank you for it. Lord, thank you for giving us what was most valuable to you. Lord, I just pray that you would take the good news of Jesus Christ and you would take that news. I'm just so glad you did not say, hey, I got good advice. I got good news. Something's been done on your behalf. 
And I just pray that you would take that, you would press that into our hearts right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. You'd change us, you'd soften us up, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you would bow down hearts and start with mine. Lord, you've been showing me your power all through nature this week. All the rain, the rain has just been saturating and saturating and saturating the soil. And I look at these big, strong trees that nothing can knock them down. They're so strong. And after being saturated for days, just a little wind, and these big, strong trees that would never move just fall down by the root. And God, I just pray that you would do that for us today, for every person in this room. Holy Spirit, just blow your wind on us of how good God is. Soak us and blow us down. Have us bow down to you, that you are the wonderful, great God, and no gift compares to having you in our life. So draw us to you by your good grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.